Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Go, go, Power Rangers! That's all I know. Yeah, that's all I know. All right, that's good enough for me. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode that you are watching and listening of the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. We have a special guest today, Vincent Trong, also known as Vinny, former uh, Game Nights member. Uh, we're going to be talking about your Animar deck today that we played on the last Game Nights. Yeah. Very exciting. The Animar Morph deck. Get it? Mighty we looked, Morphin, Power we, Rangers. We listened, we listened to the Animorphs theme song, and it I was... I hope everyone got it. It was awful. Oh, Animorphs, now yeah. Now you've explained it. Oh, boy. But Mighty Morphin, Power Rangers, much, much better. Before we get into all of it, though, we have a very special shout-out, a new sponsor of this episode. It is VRV uh, Verve. Uh, you, it's basically a streaming service. It, uh, recently, I was at the Crunchyroll Anime Awards award show, and I was like, man, I love Crunchyroll so much. And it turns out that Crunchyroll is actually a part of this larger streaming service. So if you sign up for VRV, you actually get Crunchyroll, you get Rooster Teeth, Funimation, Cartoon Hangover, Drama Fever, which is a bunch of K-dramas and stuff. We have a very special sign-up promo code. It's vrv.co slash command zone. And look, if you sign up for a free trial of VRV right now, VRV Premium, that's what it's called. You have to hold it up because I I don't know where I put mine. You send us a picture of that sign-up, you could win an out-of-print Aftermath playmat. That's right. We'll ship this right to your house. We're going to pick one winner at the end of the week. I think we can pick more than one. Wow. We're going to pick multiple winners at the end of this week. So that's right. Not just one lucky winner. Many <laughs> winners. <laughs> I don't know about many. I don't know how many Aftermath playmats we got left. But we have a few. <laughs> and again, if you send us, what is it? Just a screen grab yeah, of, a screen your grab of your sign up. Yeah, uh, screen grab of your sign up. It's a free 30-day trial, right? Yeah. So you're more than welcome to test it out for the full period. Uh, it's awesome that you have all of these services in one. I'm going to actually cancel my Crunchyroll subscription so I can sign up for this because it has a lot more. Ooh. And save me some moolah. I did actually sign up last time because we talked about this before on the behind the scenes for game nights. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I said that I liked about it, and I still like, is the offline download part. So yes. a lot of these services, oh. you can't use them unless you're currently connected wirelessly. But if you go camping or to the beach or something and you don't have a connection, you can't watch the stuff. Well, this one allows you to offline download and then watch it later that way, which I really I think is awesome. So. Yep. So go, go watch Cowboy Bebop, please, vrv.co slash command zone. Again, send us a screen cap of your sign-up, and you could win an Aftermath playmat. Multiple people will win, as we've just discussed <laughs> and decided. Uh, big shout-outs to another one of our sponsors, Ultra Pro. You know, the Relic Tokens, which we've shown off many times on the show, and you're looking at them right now if you're watching on YouTube. You, if, you're, if they're not at your LGS, you should ask your LGS owner about them so they can get them in stock because they're out there now so you should be able to get a hold of them um and a lot of times a store won't get a new product because they won't know about it and know that there's demand for it and we know a lot of people are asking and that's a good way to sort of get it at your stores to be like hey you should contact ultra pro and see if you can get some of those i know ultra pro has a lot of them and they are very sweet so something to check out and the final way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And I'm this giving episode you a hard one. <laughs> is dedicated <laughs> to, to Kyoji Takanochi. Takanochi. Takanochi, I think. Actually. I, I talk with Kyoji quite a bit on Twitter, Ooh. actually, and yeah. on Patreon. So thank you, Kyoji. You I've never rock. seen your last name until now, though, because that's not on the Twitter. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Oh, yeah. Kyoji. You rock. Oh, that's right. Vinny See? Rock. See? Vinny reminded See? me. Vinny. Good good See? man. Good, good job. Man. That we knew we brought you on the show it's for a reason. It's crazy we've never oh, had Vinny on the show before. I know. I was thinking the same thing actually when it came in and Vinny was like, "So how does this work? Do you guys do it all in one take?" I was, I was like, like wait, "Wait. You haven't done it yet?" <laughs> no. I not we at just all. assumed you have. You've been on two episodes of Game Nights but zero yeah. <laughs> command zones. Well, Jimmy started by saying former, so I don't know if I'm getting invited back at this point. Oh, yeah. You're you're, you're a part of the past now, right. Vinny. Sorry. You're one of the knights. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the knights. You're an alum. That's I'll a very, it. very exclusive club. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. Yeah, Knights of the Rectangle Table. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to the main topic today. We are talking again for the second time on the show ever since episode eight, I think, or maybe even earlier than that. I think it, it was eight or nine where Marshall was on. That's right. It's Animar, Soul of Elements, except we're taking a different spin on it today because if you have not watched the most recent Game Nights episode, I suggest you go back and watch it because I piloted this deck like a champion and uh, played it. Very, very fun. Very fun deck. No spoilers as to who won, but it was actually Vincent here that helped brew this deck originally, and we made some alterations before the show, and we're talking about that on the show as well, but we're going to talk about Animar and talk about how we're using specifically the morph cards in Magic's history to abuse Animar and create a really, really fun deck to play. Not to mention, in terms of budget decks, because Animar can get very expensive, right. this is a great way to make a budget version of Animar. Yeah, and if you're just happening to play around Cons of Tarkir block, this yeah. is a really good time for you. Yep. This is, that's about the time we got you into Commander. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally. Coincidentally. I remember when you built this deck the very first time, I was like, that is really sweet, because you get to use all the morphs, which were at the time, I was like, I liked it limited, but I, you know, you were like, oh, they're not playable. But in this deck, they're awesome. Yeah, and that's so. the fun part. That's really the fun part, digging through your collection and trying to find, you know, what can you use in the past. All right, so who wants to explain what a morph is? Oh, yeah. Okay, so a morph <laughs> card is a card that can be played either face up or face down, and it has a mechanic, which is either morph or megamorph. Yeah. Megamorph throws a slight curve into it, but both of those will yeah. kind of refer to the same, right? As if they're morphs. Megamorphs, when they flip up, they automatically get a plus one, plus one counter. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the only difference. And then morphs. Well, no, they're megamorphs. Oh, they're oh, you're yeah. megamorphing. That's what you have to say it, every time you play. It's just like Power Rangers. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, later in the series, they start upgrading their you know, outfits. They're megamorphs. Yeah. 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 Um, so morphs often. So you have a choice when you play the morph. So let's take a morph like. I want to take a simple one. Uh, oh, yes, this is a good one. Inox Survivalist. So it's one in a green for a 2-1. It's a creature, Hound Shaman. So you can just play one in a green and pay, play it as a 2-1. Or you can. it has Mega Morph, which is basically the same as Morph, yeah. which means you can cast this card face down if you, feel, if you want to. And if you cast it face down, it costs three mana, three uh, generic mana, so of any color, and it comes into play and it's just face down, and it's considered a 2-2 creature with no abilities, and it's it's colorless, right? It's colorless, yep, no colorless, mana cost. Yep. No yeah. creature type. No creature, no creature type, type or yeah. anything. And then Inox Survivalist also says Megamorph, one in a green, and the Megamorph or the Morph cost will work the same way. That's the cost that it that it takes to flip the card over yep. so that the Inox Survivalist side is actually up. So it's a 2-2 creature, and you look at it, and you go, oh, I'm going to pay one in a green right now, and I'm going to flip it up, and when you flip it up, Often, but not always, morphs have a special ability, and they're worded like this. So when Inox Survivalist is turned face up, destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls. It's very similar to like an enter the battlefield type of effect. Right. Yeah. Um, except for that it triggers when the card is turned face up. So it's a 2-2 creature at any point at instant speed. Actually, as a special no, action, yeah. we'll talk action, about yeah. at some point. Um, as a special action, you turn it its morph side uh, up and then it becomes that creature now and they'll oftentimes trigger an ability. So yeah. it's very similar to an enter the battlefield type of effect, but I don't know. The thing about morph is... It's hidden. It's hidden yeah. and it's on the battlefield technically, but you don't know. And so it gives you a bunch of... Like creature decks don't usually have a lot of obfuscation, like a lot. Right, of, right. Yeah. But morph, the morph deck does because you put all your stuff, but all your stuff has tricks in it. And, yep. But I don't know which ones they are. And so... Yeah, so your opponents are spending a lot of time just trying to guess, trying to figure out, you know, what is under that morph and, like, what mm-hmm. can happen as a result of, like, my attacks or if I cast a spell, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's different, too, because it provides a blocker a lot of times as right. well. And so attacking into a morph can be very scary. Uh, the other thing is it's it's weird because some morphs, we'll talk about it, we're going to talk about morphs that counter, morphs that are utility, morphs that are, like, finishers. But all of them do something that make your opponent essentially have to treat you as though you have a counter spell or instant speed action in your hand. 
Um, so the way that this works, especially with Animar, and the reason that this deck functions is that Animar is a teamer commander that wants to reduce the mana cost of spells that you of uh, creature spells creature. that you pay for every plus one plus one counter on them. And because morphs cost, we should read Animar because. That's true. Yeah. yeah. yeah let's just if you're watching the video version, you've already seen them pop up, but for those listening along. And it just yeah. got reprinted. So. It just got reprinted in M25, um, which is great because it was expensive. Yep. And it was our preview card. Yeah. Uh, Animar is a blue, a red, and a green. So three mana total for a 1-1 one, one legendary creature elemental. Puny. Has protection from white and black. To the colors that it is not. Super relevant. Uh, annoyingly relevant. Yep. yep. It says, whenever you cast a creature spell, whenever you cast a creature spell, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Animar. And then creature spells you cast cost one generic mana less to cast for each 1-1 counter on Animar. So morphs count either side. So when you play them for the face down side, the 2-2 creature side, yep. you pay three mana, you put a counter on Animar. Now Animar has a counter. The next morph that you cast will actually only cost two mana. And then the next one will cost one. And then from then on, morphs are free to play as long as Animar has three counters on it. And this yep. is very powerful because one of the things that kind of can keep Animar in check a little is just colored mana cost on stuff. And so and the morph kind of always allows you to play the morph creatures at a certain point. Animar, like, most of the game he's going to have three counters at least. Yeah. Yeah. And Animar decks are typically known for being glass cannons or going infinite with cards like Palancron uh, because, you know, you're able to generate extra mana through the cost reduction of Animar, but it requires colored mana. It requires a lot of blue mana to use yeah. that Palancron combo. So with morphs, I've seen you play this deck, Vinny, and you just literally take your hand and go womp and turn it upside down the table. Yeah, and it's really important because, you know, there's a lot of Sword of Fire and Ice. There's a lot of some, you know, small damage that mm -hmm. can be done to Animar. And just having Morse able to be played for free, you can get past that two toughness requirement. And Animar is able to survive that. Oh, interesting. That's a that's a good point. Not to mention your morphs can also block anyone that has a sword. Yeah, nobody really ever wants to attack into morphs because they're just not sure what's underneath them. Yeah, which is great too if you think about it because... Again, like Josh said, there's not much obfuscation of creatures. If no one knows what it is, and it could just be a card that does literal nothing yeah. to the current board state, but people still want to attack into it because they just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and there are some flying morphs. So Kalia decks, anybody with flyers, like mm -hmm. generals that are flyers, they just don't want to even try because they might lose their general. It's a lot like having a Vidalcan Ori out, kind of. Yeah. You play your morphs for free. You right. leave all your money untapped. You're very scary. And so people just don't want to come at you or do anything to you because they don't know what you can do and you can kind of represent anything. Yeah. And that's the biggest part about Animar, especially because Animar gets this bad rap of just, you know, combo killing people. Yeah. So having defensive creatures out very quickly, very early, just disincentivizes people from attacking you. Yeah. It also says to people, hey, look, this is not a deck that's actually trying to combo out immediately. It is still going to be very powerful. And if you watch the game nights, you'll see just how good that man reduction is and how good morphs are in the multiplayer game. But uh, it's not the uh, the full glass cannon that Animar is known to be. So let's move into our first category of spells for Animar. We're talking about early game land ramps. So yeah. let's talk about mana. Why is mana so important for this deck, Vinny? So I put this category down because mana is just so important for this deck. Um, first of all, you're casting creatures, right? You're casting spells. Um, and all those creatures and spells are required to pump Animar up. Now, when you play morphs, they will cast for free, like Josh was saying, but to turn them face up, Animar does nothing to reduce those costs. So some morph costs um, cost like six mana, four mm -hmm. mana, and you just can't afford to always hold that mana up every single turn cycle. So you want to start, you know, getting as much land as possible so that way you can play things and hold up the un unmorphing costs. Right. And this deck can be very mana hungry as a result if you need to flip multiple morphs yep. or essentially set a combo up. And one thing that Marshall talked about when he was on the show is how important it is to get Animar out at turn three at the latest. And it makes a lot of sense too because this is a, a sort of like a, an engine that needs to start churning its wheels as soon as possible. And the faster it can do that, and again, because it's got protection from white and black, it's going to fade a lot of, of instant speed removal spells, but not board wipes. So you want to sort of get out in front of that and start pressuring people and hopefully, you know, killing them before they can board, wipe the board or do something to deal with Animar because he's a very hard card to deal with. Yeah, so some of the cards that I ended up putting in the deck uh, were Sakura Tribelder, um, Farseek, Rampant Growth, Nature's Lore. These are common, you know, typical green mana ramp effects that you really want to make sure you have available at your disposal. But you, you're, those are all two mana ones. Right. And, and I think that's really important, right? Like Explosive Vegetation, maybe not as good in this deck. Right, yeah. Um, Sky Shroud Claim. Even those are good cards in a lot of deck. 
in a lot of decks, that doesn't help you get Animar out on turn three. Whereas a two mana or a Birds of Paradise. Birds of Paradise is ideal. Yeah, is really good because that you're basically guaranteed you're going to get that card out on turn three. And, and getting Animar out on three and getting the ball rolling on counters on Animar. Because if you figure Animar turn three, turn four, you play a morph, you get a counter on it, right? Turn five with one counter on it, you can now play all the rest of your morphs, right? Yep, pretty yep. much. Yep. So you you pay two for the next one, yep. then one for the next one. You'll have two mana left over, and Animar has the three counters, and you can just dump all the rest of the morphs if you want to. I'm not saying you always want to do that, but that if you get Animar out turn four, it's way different. Yeah, it's way way different. Not to mention turn four is board wipe turn, and I've seen people use single target removal board wipes essentially, being like, "Is an Animar out? Nothing else? Yeah, Whatever, <laughs> Boom, yeah. blow it up." You know, because it's just too scary and too dangerous. Because if you think about, it, this is one of those few decks that can actually KO someone with commander damage. Because if you're saying that turn five scenario exists, Animar could be a seven seven and eight eight, and you know, fine. Let's say you have equipment in your deck too, then all of a sudden you're swinging in and you're hitting someone and essentially able to take them out in the next turn. I mean, and even though this is a nice deck. <laughs> I've died to Vinny's version on turn five or so before because there are certain combos that come out so early because Animar's casting cards for free um, that yeah. you can literally make Animar an arbitrary size sometimes on turn five or six. That's yes. definitely possible. Yeah. It's but not it's the goal of the deck. That's not really our play style in general. But Yeah, it's definitely up to you know the cards I draw as, yeah. as usual. So let's talk about uh, the next category because I think it's... I mean, obviously, lane ramp is great, uh, but Animar, the commander, is literally ramp built into himself but morphs that counter yeah so this is fun this is a fun category for me <laughs> this is like when i first researched for this deck just looking up all the morphs that existed in magic it was just so fun to look at what effects they had yeah and i noticed there were so many ways to counter spells that i just knew there was this defensive built-in defensive position that animar could take um so the very first one I found, and it's kind of the simple counter, is Void Mage Apprentice. Right. So Void Mage Apprentice is one in a blue for a wizard, creature wizard. And what it does, it has morph, obviously, and it has morph for two blue and a blue. Okay. So it costs four mana to un, you know, turn face up. When it's turned face up, it counters target spell. Really simple, really easy, really powerful, especially because... You know, we might as well go into the special action, like the fact that unmorphing is a special action. Yeah, you know, we often talk on the show like this is basically uncounterable. The basically is a hedge against some certain effects, and morph right. is one of those because it morph is a special action. Yeah, yeah, action. It 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 works sort of outside the stack in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. And, and so kind of the main card that I always think about are the split second cards. Yeah, M- uh, morphs can be turned face up. In response to split second cards, yes. which yeah. is really scary if you think, oh, okay, I've cast Crows and Grip or I've cast um, Sudden Spoiling, any of those cards with split second, you think, I'm done. Turn, stacks, you know, nothing else can go in the stack, but morphs can do something about it. Right. Special action is a weird thing. You should Google it and look it up, but the interactions, it's. It gets you out of situations no other cards could get you out of it, it yeah. or it has that ability, yeah. Yeah, and very few cards have the ability to do that, and usually that's why we love Cross and Grip so much, because it's like, cool, I can it's stop anything else from happening. So, well, actually, Morph is a special ability. You can still use it at that moment. All right, so Void Mage Prodigy, another special card in here, blue-blue uh, for a Morph, but you can when it's turned face up, it doesn't actually have an ability. The ability's on the card itself, so you can just play it as a morph. It only costs one blue to unmorph, and that's nice. Usually cards that cost a little bit to unmorph are great for really sneaking in effects like this because it costs blue-blue to sacrifice a wizard and counter target spell. And this deck actually packs in a lot of wizards. We just talked about one, the Void Mage Apprentice. And the next card we'll talk about is also a wizard. So I like that the fact that it's a counter that isn't necessarily a one-time use. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, because you don't have to sacrifice it. Just right. a wizard. Yeah, and let's say that wizard was the Void Mage Apprentice that it already, already used its thing. Its yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the fact that you can play it for three or for free and only unmorph it for one blue leaves you the option to really get people because usually people, I think, think of morphs and thinks, okay, it might cost two mana, three mana to unmorph it. In Cons of Charkir, they very specifically oh, yeah. made it so that the morph costs were pretty high in general, except for some specific cards. So I think people are more used to waiting for like the, okay, he's going to maybe destroy something with it. But countering spells, especially when you can counter multiple spells with a card like that, pretty valuable. Want to read the next one? All right. This so, is a classic morph. Yeah, this is a classic card. Just got reprinted. It's Willbender, because everybody thinks every morph is Willbender. Because um, <laughs> it usually is. It usually is. So, <laughs> you know, it has morph. It unflips for one in a blue. And when it's turned face up, change the target of target spell or ability with a single target. 
This is so important for any type of, you know, single target removal, any type of single target spells that your opponents are casting at Animar or at any other, you know, combo pieces that you have, because you can just redirect things. You're just changing it away from you. Yeah, this is misdirection on a morph, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I hate misdirection in Commander. Also, misdirection, I've put it in a few decks recently. It's surprisingly good because of extra turn cards. Oh, uh, yeah. Which a lot of extra turn cards do target a player. Not all, but a lot. And so you can steal their extra turns. I was going to say, that's pretty is, crazy. Because yes. in general, I'm I did not... that a, just very recently, and it yeah. felt so good. Oh, that's amazing. Because <laughs> in general, I don't like playing misdirection. It's one of those cards we've talked about on the show being like, well, you know, it's a one-time use, and it has to specifically be targeting... But in a deck like this, having a Willbender, well, it fits the plan regardless of what happens. And a lot of cards, too, sometimes you just play to get more counters on Animar, right? Yeah. I mean, you definitely need as many morphs as you can. So, you know, Willbender, you know, fills that role. I mean, what I like about this entire category, you know, morphs that counter is like decks that require a big board state, which Animar does, and mm -hmm. are playing a lot of creatures, are very susceptible to board wipes and things like that. But of just getting blown out like you yeah. play your hand you dump your hand they board wipe and now you have zero cards in hand you're top decking and you have no board you know this protects you this is playing creatures which the deck wants to do but you're still holding counter spells kind of in your hand because they're on the board they're morphs but it's the same yep. right? yeah so that's you get to advance your game plan and play a defensive counter game yeah which is kind of weird it usually a control deck does not match with an animar deck but this allows you to be a control deck yep all right um I mean, there are various more morphs that counter, but I think we get the point here. Well, we should talk about Mischievous Kanar, though, because this is actually <laughs> one of the better, I think, morphs in the deck. Oh, yeah, this is the fork. Yeah, it's a fork, but it also, and a few, very few morphs have the ability to do this, it can pay to turn itself back face down. Oh, right, so it's reusable inherently. Yeah, so it's the Mischievous Kanar, Qu who knows? God. You can morph it. You can unmorph it for one blue, blue, and when it's turned face up, you essentially get to fork a card. So you copy target. Only instant, an instant or sorcery. Instant or yeah. sorcery. You may choose new targets for that copy. So you can counter a counter with this. Yep. So it can be a counter spell, but it can also be a, like, hey, you just drew 20 cards. Me too. Yep. And for five mana, you can turn Mischievous Kanar face down so you can reuse this ability. And even though people know it's coming the second time, it's What are you still, supposed to do? Yeah, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Not play a card? Well, even better. I just countered it without even paying any mana. It's also really good with uh, Cyclonic Rift. <laughs> Yes. At least you can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I, I think having that especially, and that's why this deck is really mana-hungry and why the first category is so important. It's because five mana is not a cheap cost to turn the card down, especially if you're trying to unmorph it for another three after that. Well, the great thing is morphs make you want to do the thing that this card wants to do, which is hold all your mana, mm -hmm. wait until the end step before your turn, and if nothing's happened, then it's like, oh, I'll just flip Mischievous Konar back over right? yeah. and be ready. And if something did happen and I had to use other stuff, that's fine, but I'm versatile. Yeah, very, yeah. very versatile. Okay, the next category, uh, probably the most important category, is the utility morphs, specifically because of this first mini category in it, which is card draw engines. So let's, let's talk about card draw. Okay, what? so if I just could replay that clip from Josh's like interview when he was talking about Soul of the, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Soul, of, Soul the of the Harvest in, in Game Nights when he was just saying, oh, you play morphs for free. You draw cards for free, which let you get more creatures. You play for free, which you then draw more cards for free. You know, that whole sequence that Josh just showed in the Game Nights episode is exactly why you need these, you know, card draw engines. Can you right. tell I've seen that happen a lot of times? <sighs> yeah. It's yeah. so fun to just play a creature for free, draw a card. Play, play another creature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just keep that chain going. Because there's nothing worse for an Animar deck than dumping out your hand and going, uh, uh, pass, pass the turn. Crossing my fingers. Yeah. Crossing my fingers. So now they all kind of have the same idea, which is when you cast a creature spell, you draw a card. Um, Soul of the Harvest is a little different because it's when a non-token creature enters the battlefield, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part... It functions the, the yeah, same way. Yeah, functions though. the same way. Yeah. yeah. And I did not actually include you know anything that once you cast a creature spell, it costs mana to draw that extra card. Right. So you, right. once it's out, you're just drawing cards when you cast creatures. Yeah. Uh, did we name the three? Uh, Primordial Sage, and then, of course, Zendikar Resurgent, a card that keeps going up in my book. Yep. And even, Soul of the Harvest. Even Resurgent. at seven mana, that card is ridiculous. It's every game where it gets played, that person at that moment is threatening to win the game. Yeah. yeah I've never seen a Zendikar Resurgent played where, well. where it hits the table and you're not like, uh-oh, Right. Well, that that's person the has the has the ability to win now. <laughs> even if, let's say it's the last card in your hand, even if you play it just then and pass the turn, you have to wait a full turn cycle, all you have to do is draw a creature, yeah. nope. and then you're back in business. But I've never seen that happen. It just, no. like, yeah. yeah, everyone just plays it, and then, you know, 
usually plays like two or three creatures that turn because yeah. their remaining four mana is actually eight mana now, yeah. which is, is the same amount of mana they had before they cast Endicar Resurgent. Yeah. Uh, this is really, I think, the... This is like the, the oil for f- that keeps the engine running for Animar, these type of cards. Yes. Once one of these is out, the deck is a snowball rolling downhill that's just going to be in- incredibly difficult to stop. And that's the thing, too, is if you don't get one of these cards out, you're actually not in great shape if a board wipe happens because then you're contingent on being like, well, I really hope I have you know, a counter or something to make sure that happens. So you definitely want to prioritize having some of these cards in your hand. Now, obviously Zendikar Resurgent and Soul of the Harvest being six and seven mana respectively mm. is a bit harder to play in early games. But as you'll find with Animar, they're, I mean, they're creature based and they are definitely a lot easier to get out than you think. That's well, sort of one of the surprising things about these kinds of decks. It's well, just yeah. Like, with Primordial Sage and Soul of the Harvest, because they're creatures, yeah. you just had to play what? Four morphs. And then all of a sudden they're just, yeah, two probably. green. Two green, yeah. For a, one of the and it's a huge creature too. It's like these <laughs> these things are not to be tussled with. Which then allows you to leave up the mana to protect it, which I think is really important. Yeah. Um so as you can tell, the the way that Animar decks work is like try an early ramp, get out Animar, and then at that point it's almost like how fast can you sprint before you can <laughs> take a breath? And hopefully you're far enough ahead and have enough mana in order to protect yourself from everyone that is now trying to charge and chase you down as hard as possible. Yeah. Everybody just wants to trip you once you're an Animar deck. As Makes soon sense. as it starts going. Makes sense. Yeah, well, that's because um, we've seen it happen. <laughs> a thousand times now, yeah, right? Yeah. Ever since episode eight, and Marshall talked to us about it. Um, that's why I built an Animar deck. Uh, now, there are also some bounce morphs. These are really interesting. Uh, an effect that I think always catches people off guard. Uh, so Echo Tracer, it's a morph for three mana. Of course, you can play it for two in the blue as well. When it's turned face up, just return target creature to its owner's hand. It's the same as Ice Feather even. But this is a bit easier to cast just by itself, should you want to. Yeah, and Ice Feather even well. was really helpful for you in your game, you know, at game nights. To yes. Just bounce, you know, a sun time just out of nowhere. Yeah. Not to it's mention an the effect parody. that's very powerful, and you usually just don't want a card that only does that. But right. because your card puts a counter on Animar, and it is a morph, and just having a morph, we'll talk about there's some other cards in the deck, just having a morph is valuable for synergistic reasons with other cards. And so even if you don't use the bounce, but then you get a bounce spell on it, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many decks can say every one of their cards pretty much serves two purposes? Yeah. And sometimes even more. Now you're an official uh, command zone knight. Well, it actually fell off the table, which is a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we talked about Anuk Survivalist. Obviously, Naturalize effects, very good in general. And because it's a special action, it's almost like you have kind of a... Crossing grip. Crossing grip. Yep. I mean, obviously, when the effect happens, people can respond to yeah. it. But it's hard to respond to a triggered or activated ability often. You know, you can counter a spell, but very hard to say, like, oh, well, I'm going to flip the Survivalist and target something with that. Can you count? Can you... You need stifles. Yeah. You need like stifles. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's really powerful, especially because there's just a few key artifacts and enchantments that you just need to get rid of. Like, you know, if another player has Zendikar Resurgent, okay, I just need to get rid of that. I don't get rid of all other artifacts and enchantments. That's a good question, actually, I want to pose to everyone. And you watching along at home or listening, how many artifacts slash enchantments do you think are must-removes in every mm-hmm. game of Commander, like on average? Is it like 10? Is it 2? I think it's like around 2 to 3. Yeah. Are must you can probably get away with winning a game where you only get rid of one or two. Right. Yeah. You know, depending on the deck, obviously, that you're playing against. But, but yeah, like on average, how many do you think you just have yeah. to get rid of? Otherwise, you're just not going to win that game. I mean, or it's going to take with over. knowledge of the person's deck, usually it's only a couple of you. Yeah. I feel like I always got to get rid of what? Dictative Erebos, Grave Pact? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, those games when those come out. Depends though. on the deck. Yeah, true. As a morph player, I yeah. can. Yeah, I have some expendable creatures at yeah. some point, but. I need to get rid of it at some point, too. Well, one thing we haven't touched on, and we're going to talk about a couple more cards in this category, but this deck does have not the exact same amount of ability to do this, but similar to like a Blink deck, the ability to reuse these creatures to bounce them back to your hand, Mm -hmm. play them again, flip it over again. So it isn't the type of thing where you use Inox Survivalist, blow up an enchantment or an artifact, and you're done with that. Mm. That's your effect. You used it. You know, this is a deck where... There are pieces that allow you to reuse that. Do that again. Uh, again, you saw that on game nights. Um, Very so powerful. I think that that's actually another really powerful thing about the deck. Now, it's a little bit harder than, say, a Rune or a Brago deck would have doing it. Right. But it can. And so you have the ability to take out three or four encha- or enchantments or artifacts that are important in a game if you have to. Yeah. Now, how about lands, Vinny? 
Okay, so this card, when I first saw it, when I was looking for it, oh, was so, so helpful. Just because, you know, Gaia's Cradle. Um, Cabal Coffers. Yeah. Growing uh, Rights of Itlamok. Glacial Chasm. Glacial Chasm. That's yeah. the, this is that's, why you had This is why it. I had that, exactly. <laughs> this is why I needed this card. Get so rid of your own ancient tomb. <laughs> yeah. So it's Dwarven Blast Miner. Um, this is great. It unmorphs for just one red. It just one red. Really cheap, really easy to come out. But it has this activated ability. Two and a red, tap, destroy target, non-basic land. Land destruction is really fun when you're just getting rid of the key pieces. You right. don't need to blow up every single land on the battlefield. You just need the key lands to be taken out. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Stone rain on a creature. How many lands per game on average do you yeah. need to get rid of from each player? The great Zero thing, to one. But the, that one is but that, ma- matters, yeah. Something we didn't mention about morphs is... They're the same creature when they turn over, so you don't have summoning sickness if you. Oh right! So if you play the morph face down, wait a turn rotation, and then flip it up on your turn, you can use it right away because it's the same creature that's been in play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't. So the fact that it has a tap effect is actually a little bit better than your normal creature that you'd have to just play face up and be like, you need the guy. I, with, I hope the guy with guy's cradle doesn't try, doesn't kill this, but he doesn't know because it's a morph. Yep. So that yeah. person's like, eh, I don't care if he counters my spell. <laughs> Oh, crap. I didn't know that thing was going to blow up my lands. Yeah. It's very hard to read someone. Like, oftentimes in games, you'll see someone think about something looking around and being like, okay, I'm going to play this. And it's like, all right, we know what you're going for. We know what you're doing. But in this deck, you can almost like close your eyes and be like, all right, I'll play this morph and this morph. And hey, who knows who I'm going after right now? Yeah. It's always fun when people are like, okay, I got to remove, like, like you have to target something. I don't know. know, Randomly choose one of the morphs you have. It doesn't actually matter. <laughs> well, and if it's one of the good ones, maybe you protect it. And if it's not, yep. you don't. But they're just like, yeah, they're playing three-card Monty. Like, they yeah. have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea. Actually, I find when I play against this deck, my brain just doesn't even try and figure out what they it's are. It's not worth it. It's not it. possible. Yeah, it's like, not. He's, I've like, he has two of every color mana. It could literally be any morph in those colors that's ever existed. <laughs> so my brain's just like, don't worry about it. Because what could you do? You can't, you can't guess. Yeah. Hidden information is pretty powerful in magic and games like this in general. And now you have, it's like you're giving yourself even more hidden information. Um, Pretty crazy. The last card we have on this list here of a utility morphs is one, another one that made a good showing in game nights. It's den protector. This is what they call maternal witness. Maternal. I love that. name. Oh gosh. It is um, one in a green for a two one, but it has, and it says creatures with power less than den protectors power can't block it. Sometimes relevant. It has Megamorph, so it actually, when it flips up, it's a 3-2. Uh, and it says, when Den Protector is turned face up, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So that's why it's Regrowth. called Eternal Witness. Yeah, or Eternal it, Witness. Eternal Witnesses when you turn it face up. And you know I don't like Eternal Witness in Animar because it's yeah. one green-green. So right. it's like, hey, you don't even get like a huge reduction off of it. But a card like Den Protector, I think, is honestly just actually better than... than <laughs> yeah, because, and again, you can reuse it. Yeah. You know, possibly. I think Eternal Witness is probably still good in the deck. It's still good. You yeah. still play it, I think. Uh, maybe not in this build, unless you're looking yeah, for extra have. regrowth effects. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. I like that the deck has a good toolboxy aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's nothing that gets played in a game against this deck where you just don't have an answer somewhere in the deck to it, right? Yeah, which is the greatest part, is that, you know, at some point, somebody will play either an artifact, enchantment, or a land, and I'll just think, okay, well, I just need to get to this answer. Mm-hmm. I just need to be able to draw or, you know, find it somehow and I'll have a way to interact with it. I'm never going to sit there and think, I can't do anything about that. Right. There are plenty of decks I've played against where like, yeah, if it's a Rakdos deck and you get out an enchantment, they're just like, I just can't beat that card. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, or a land like Glacial Chasm. I don't know how many times I've played Glacial Chasm <laughs> and people are just like, I can't, my deck has zero ways to beat that card. Yeah. You know, this, this deck will never have that problem. Yeah. I blame you, Josh. I blame you all the time. Yeah. For Glacial Chasm. I, you blame me for your good uh, deck building. <laughs> well, speaking. can I blame somebody for a good skill? All right. <laughs> yeah. That's a blame. It's called works. credit. credit. It's called yeah, credit. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of making other people just not be able to win the game. Oh boy. Uh, there is, something in this deck and it's in m25 too yeah exactly it is called the pickles lock and it happens to work very well with morphs and it's in animar's colors it was a standard deck i believe yes was yeah. it a pro tour champion winning deck or is it just a combo in standard i don't just know a combo in but i know paul chion played it oh nice well hey how fit up let's talk about the pickles lock everybody <sighs> so it's two cards <laughs> Jeez, I, this is exciting for me everyone <laughs> It's two cards. One is the Brine Elemental. It's um, four blue blue for a five four elemental, but it has morph. 
And it says, and the morph is five blue blue, so seven mana to unmorph it. But when you turn it face up, each opponent skips his or her next untapped step. So kind of mean. It's like a one-turn stasis for um, opponents only. It doesn't affect you. So you unmorph Brian Elemental. No one's getting an untapped step um, until your next turn. Yep. Or until their next turn. Costs a lot of mana, though. Seven yeah. mana. So. so the next piece of the puzzle is Vesuvian Shapeshifter, which is three blue-blue for a zero-zero Shapeshifter. It has morph, and its morph uh, cost is only one in a blue. And it says, as Vesuvian... As Vesuvian Shapeshifter Shapeshifter comes into play or is turned face up. So you can cast it straight out non-morph and it'll still have this effect. Or you can flip face up and it'll have this effect. It says, um, uh, choose another target creature in play. Sorry. Nope. You may choose another creature in play when it's turned face up again or played. So if you do, until the Shapeshifter is turned face down, it becomes a copy of that creature and gains... At the beginning of your upkeep, you may turn this creature face down. So what happens is because it's turning into the creature as it's turned face up, it turns into the brine elemental, which triggers its ability, makes everybody not get another untapped step except you. And then on your upkeep, you flip it back over because that's its ability. And now you can unmorph it. it. And And you just basically, the pickles lock is a lock where nobody else gets an untapped step ever again as long as those two creatures stay alive um and again because you're flipping it over as the vesuvian shapeshifter it only costs one in the blue but as it comes up it has the text when brine elemental is turned face up everyone skips their untapped step so pickles because brine and brining that's right we do to a turkey it's it's really mean (laughs) um it's just really mean to stasis lock people at the same time you can get out of it so yeah, there's been right. a few times i can remember where you've done that and we're like all right swords of plowshares or yeah. all right whatever because yeah. especially when the brine elemental is flipped up so that's right, the right. card that costs seven and that's kind of your moment to to you know yeah to stop yeah. them because they're probably going to be tapped out because that's a lot of mana and yeah. if somebody's un like unmorphing brine elemental it's kind of a red flag to everybody else they're going to try and win yeah and nobody puts a brine elemental in their deck without the shapeshifter in the deck so very true if you see one the other's probably hot on its heels yeah the cost of doing it otherwise it would just be way too high and pretty much untenable for most decks um yeah that's a <laughs> that's a good one um this is a card that i'm interested in because i've seen it played a lot I've never actually seen it be used to great effect, though, and it is Dulcet Sirens. I'm so sad about that because I want it to do good things. Mel I Lee played too. it in an episode of Game Nights, but I, I think I had to kill it before she could use it. Yeah, well, maybe it did good good work then. Okay, so your hand. it is a morph morph creature, obviously. Um, it unmorphs for one blue, so just you know, really cheap, and it has blue tap. Target creature attacks target opponent this turn if able. Two targets there. Very interesting. Yeah, two targets. And more importantly for me, at least, it is a way to kind of do creature removal if you can work with another opponent. Because there are some creatures that just kind of hang back, yeah. don't do anything. Um, your, your, what is it? Randomly deals damage. Oh, Vile Smasher. Vile, vile Smasher. smasher. Yeah. Vile, so Vile Smasher, yeah. your Vile Smasher just hangs back. Doesn't everyone attack? No, it definitely doesn't. But if, two, I, three. if I force <laughs> it to attack something, you know, into another opponent's like 4-4, four, four, it could... Theoretically, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. it could get rid of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's just a super scary card. There's not a lot of cards yeah. that choose who it's attacking, right? There's a lot right. that say, Correct. this target creature must attack, attack if able. If able, right. But you're so, like, no, you have to attack that player. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because it says target creature and target opponent, it was obviously a printed in the commander set meant to be used in a multiplayer setting. Otherwise, they wouldn't put target there twice. But yeah, you can get rid of like Oracle of Moldias. Oh. Um, you can also like, hey, this is my best blocker against you yes. know, a Planeswalker or something. Like, well, now it's tapped. Especially with Animar, because Animar can get so big. Mm-hmm. And let's say you're playing against a deck that's like green and black. Yeah. Well, you can get rid of their, make their green creature attack somebody else. Now they only got a black creature. Now yeah. you, they can't block the Animar because of protection from black and get through that way too. There's a lot of, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, surprised I haven't fun. seen Dulcet Sirens in play a lot. It feels like a very, very good card. It feels like a good card. You just need to be, I think, both a little political and a little smart about how you set it up I need to put it in my Tim deck, actually. No. Don't How many you can don't. make like all four of your attack Josh, creatures have to no. attack that person? Mm-hmm. That seems no. good. Why would you do that, Josh? <laughs> Josh, tap and make, tap. No, don't note, don't note, do that. Note, don't all right, so let's okay. But let's move on to the <laughs> finishers part of the deck. And um, well, I feel like I have to oh. talk about this first card. Uh, it's so good. It's responsible for you know it is good, and I put it in a lot of decks. 
but it's actually underperformed a lot of the times in my other decks. But in this deck in particular, it is an all-star. It's ridiculous in this deck. Yeah, it I is, can see that. Yeah, it is Big Daddy Ixedron. Um, and it's drawn by Therese Nielsen, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew Ooh. that. Three blue blue for a creature illusion. It's a star star. And as, Ix, as Ixedron enters the battlefield, turn all other non-token creatures face down. They essentially become morphs. They become 2-2 two, two creatures. And Ixedron's power and toughness is equal to the number of face-down creatures on the battlefield. So this is kind of like a board wipe in a way. It's a board reset of creatures, turning them all into tutus. However, they're it's, not turning back up anytime no. soon unless they have the words Morph or Megamorph on them. And one deck at the table is going to have the most of those, and it's your deck. Yep. That's the greatest part is that basically it's not manifest. If you were playing around, you yeah. know, Konza Tarkir block, manifest said, you know, you could flip it up for his right. current mana cost, but Ixodron does not say that at all. Right. Yeah, Manifest. there was a lot of people on the Game Nights episode that were like, why didn't you just flip your card back up and blah, blah, blah? Because Exodron doesn't allow me to flip the card back up unless the card has Morph. Yeah. Morph doesn't care why it got flipped down. It just right. knows that it is. And so, like we were saying, Inox Survivalist, Den Protector, you can reuse those cards too with Exodron. So it doesn't mm-hmm. only set back your opponents. It actually resets a lot of your own stuff and yeah. gives you more value. Yeah, it'd almost be like in a Blink deck if you'd said, you know, destroy all your opponent's creatures and then blink all of yours, you know, Ooh, kind right. of, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's crazy when you think about it in that light. Um, two things I wanted to say about Extra because there's a lot of rules oh, questions wow, yeah, on the episode. Places. Thank goodness we had a judge on site that day because I think we would have misplayed both those occasions. Probably. Yeah. So Extra importantly says as it enters the battlefield, not when it enters the battlefield. And that means that if some effect brings Ixodron in at the same time as other creatures, it will not flip the creatures coming in at the exact same moment as it. Right. So if you've got a Protean Hulk, or somebody plays Living Death, or some Faith's Reward, something like that, brings an Ixodron with a bunch of stuff, it won't flip the stuff entering at the same moment. It also says non-token creatures, so if right. somebody copies it with like a Rider Replication, not saying that happens, then it won't flip the other copies. Well, for one, it won't flip them because they're coming in at the same time, and also it doesn't flip tokens. Right. Um, yeah, this card actually... One of the really awesome things it does is it kind of does what Tuck used to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, again, if you watch Game Nights, you've seen there are ways around it, like cooperating with your opponents. <laughs> hey, but, your tutu can block my tutu. Yeah, but game. It doesn't kill it. It doesn't put it in. It doesn't change its zone. So if somebody's commander's out, you play Ixadron, It flips it face down. They got to figure out a way. <laughs> To kill it, to put it back in the command zone or something, it doesn't... You can't choose at that moment, well, I don't want it to be face down. I'd rather right. put it in my command yeah. zone. You don't get to do that. So. Yeah, if it was like blink it and then return face down, yes. But in this case, they just the card stays there. It's still on the battlefield. It just goes, oh, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> it turns yeah. on over. It's Yeah, Exodron is really good in this deck. Maybe it's up there as one of the best cards for sure. Yes, for sure. Um, the next card we have is Thassa, God of the Sea. You want to read that one over by you? Two and a blue. Legendary enchantment creature, God. It's a 5-5, has indestructible. As long as your devotion to blue is less than 5, Thassa isn't a creature. That means you need at least 5 blue pips on the battlefield. You don't care if she's a creature or not. You don't want her to be a creature. Uh, At the beginning of your upkeep, scry one. Just do that. And then also has an activated ability. Pay 1 in a blue. Target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. So there's no tapping of Thassa or anything involved in that. So if you have 2 blue and 2 other then you can make two creatures unblockable, and so on and so forth. Animar can get very, very big. Yes. But no trample. So, sneaking Animar in when it's at 21. This is the one deck, and um, we talked about commander damage a little bit in the last episode. Mm -hmm. It was close. About how commander damage, I think doesn't come into play very often. The Animar deck is the deck where I think I've probably died to commander damage the most. Yeah. Which is because you can really make him grow really big all in the same turn. Um, and then Thassa or just protection from whatever, yeah. Yeah. you're dead. Well, that's yeah. the thing. If they do have a colorless blocker or they have a teamer colored blocker, you know, Thassa, then boom. Thassa boom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So having a couple of ways to do that, obviously very powerful. Um, not to mention your Ixodron could get really big and then hit someone like Josh. Right, right. True. Why are you like me? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I think I read a comment where he said Seems you thought feel... me attacking you with Ixodron was a mistake. Seems personal here. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a mistake as far as like 
if you wanted me to win the game, then it was a oh. mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was a play mistake. Uh, <laughs> I should have killed Kenji. That's what it would have been. Oh. Um, <laughs> next up, another win condition. And again, it's a legendary this creature. Might, that's a god. Yeah. Besides the the cards we're going to talk about in the notable ex- ex- exclusions, exclusions, yeah, this is probably the best card in the deck. Yeah. Absolutely. It's... We also, you know, how about you, you you speak his name? All right. Perforos, God of the Forge. Ding, 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 ding. So three and a red thinking is for a god. Indestructible. As long as your devotion to red is less than five, Perforos isn't a creature. Again, you don't want him to be a creature. Don't nope. want that. The key text here is whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Perforos deals two damage to each opponent. Each. You can also um, pump all your creatures for two and a red, but right, yeah. that, you know, that never really matters. No. Especially with morphs being just little tutus, you don't really want to pay the two and a red to give them. I mean, you could see weird scenarios yeah. where you're like, okay, I swing with my team, pump them twice. I just happen to have seven of them. With yeah. Infect, maybe, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, near the end of the game or something. But yeah. yes, Perforos is like, well, any deck that plays Perforos, Perforos is going to kill you if yeah. they play it. Yeah, that's the goal at least. And even if if you're playing it and you're not able to kill people, you just get ready to get everyone really angry at you, yeah. right? <laughs> like, so you usually want to play this in in positions where you're going to win. And again, glass cannon of a deck, right? You want to play a card like this and just go plop 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 plop, draw cards with Soul of the Harvest, Primordial Sages, and the Carver Surgeon, and keep doing it and just essentially take everyone down. And because all your morphs just play for free, yeah, you can get into that loop we were talking about where it's just like, yeah. play a morph, draw a card, play a morph, draw a card, play a morph. I'm not tapping any mana anytime I do this because of Animar. Yeah, very powerful. Yeah, and the key key part here is that it's two damage. Mm-hmm. Like It just accelerates so quickly. I mean, because I've tried Impact Tremors. I've tried other, you know. They're right. just like, too slow. They're just too slow. Too slow. Yeah. Provost mm-hmm. is often like, also played a little bit later in the game, you know, your turn 11, right. your turn 12, everyone's at 24. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, oh, I just have to pay, play 12 creatures or the same creature 12 times. No problem. Yeah, exactly. All right. Finally, the number one big daddy finisher that we've seen a thousand billion times, <laughs> Crater Hoof Behemoth. All right. Read me this card no. from memory. I just want to see if you know it. No. Okay. I know it's three green because that's typically the cost that I play it for. Because <laughs> you don't know the total mana. I don't know the total mana cost. Wow, that's an animal deck for you. It's eight yeah. mana total. Okay, so yeah. it has haste. Correct. When Crater of Behemoth enters battlefield, mm-hmm. creatures you control get plus X plus X and trample, where X is the number of creatures you control. Yep, and it's a five-five. Oh sure, I don't, I don't know. It that sometimes part, really. matters because he right, swings. Right. He's got haste. Hold on until end of turn. Okay, fine. <laughs> Fine, fine. We were so broken if it wasn't. We're not in yeah. <laughs> just permanent trample and plus X plus X. Oh my goodness. Fine, we're not, un, we're not in un-territory no, here, right? No, we're not. We're not. All right, all right. Last question. Who drew the art? Oh, jeez. I don't know. C- come on, guys. Chris Ron, duh. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Mr. Jimmy over here. But clearly, you know, even if you do have a bunch of colorless tutus that are still morphs, Crater Hoof will be the way that they will kill everyone. They don't even need to flip over. You know, no. you, this is just a big daddy win condition. Not to mention, if you're playing just green, green, green. Yeah. Yeah. That's messed up. I still think this is the single card in the commander format that has ended the most games. Yeah. Probably. If we had like a time traveling supercomputer that could calculate such things, it would be like beep, 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 Crater Hoof. Yeah. You know, Perforce is probably. Perforce is up there. Yeah. It's yeah. on the list, yeah. but Crater Hoof has probably got a huge lead over everything else. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, in Cyclonic Rift, how many times do you think that's one, quote unquote, one a game? Well, you attribute the to the player that game. plays Cyclonic Rift, what's the percentage? win percentage that goes up like in a, any given game but then you have to say like at what turn right because if it's like turn seven you do it like defensive no but i would just yeah. say like if yeah what what is the average like you get a 10 percent bump maybe in your win yeah, percentage for sure. yeah, in any yeah. game you play a cyclonic rift yeah i would overloaded. say 10 yeah. Sure. yeah yeah overload yeah. yeah um who plays it for one in a blue i've done i've it. done it wow it's not a good feeling yeah, it's not happy but you know sometimes you're playing against an animar deck sure, and sure, they swing sure. at you with an arbitrarily large animar and you're yeah. like i'm gonna just pay one in a blue and not die now yeah that's fair. All right. Now, when we put this deck together for the show, we actually went into your deck, Vinny, and we took out a few cards and replaced them with some other ones. And maybe we'll talk about the reasoning behind it. But two of the cards that we took out that are very incredibly powerful and possibly the These other. These are probably the, act- the- after Perforos. No, they might even be better than Perforos. Yeah, I think this one is technically better in Perforos because it's better in Probably all both situations. are. Yeah, they both are. Yeah, yeah. they both are, definitely. Yeah. Um, the first is Cloudstone Curio. It's three mana for an artifact. It's not a creature, even though it really looks like it, it looks should like be a, a creature. Yeah, it looks like a chess piece, maybe or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. I think it's like a little. It's a little artifact. It just, just reminds me of Probably curio means something, and I just don't know what curio yeah, means. I'm curious. Yeah. 
Whenever a non-artifact permanent comes into play under your control, you may return another permanent you control that shares a permanent type with it to its owner's hand. So essentially this says if you play a creature, you can bounce a creature that you control. Back another creature, not another the one you yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, back to its owner's hand. So basically this is one of the best ways to rebuy your enter the battlefield effects rebuy your morphs replay them again it's like i flipped this over oh i've used its ability well i play another creature bounce it to my hand play it for free now it's a morph again i can use it again even better if you just have two morphs there that you means go our, my animar is getting as big as you want yeah, yeah you because go. you have a morph in play you play another morph put a one one counter on animar then bounce the other morph to your hand play that morph bounce the morph you played previously put a one one counter on animar do yep. that as many times as you feel like animar is as large as you want and that's what we were talking about with thassa or just the innate protection from white and black mm -hmm. very often animar can get in there where another creature maybe couldn't and because you're like i don't care animar's 50 power you don't even have to go to infinite because yeah. it's your commander so you don't need to get super huge with it notably yeah. it's yeah it shares a permanent type yeah. so this is a creature card on the battlefield it's not creature type it's not artifact creature dash whatever it's a permanent type so it doesn't care that it has no text on it so very very powerful yeah um the other one's similar right in and how it yeah can, yeah yeah, it's Ancestral Statue. Most people know about this. Yeah, It's a common. <laughs> yeah, it's a common. So it's when Ancestral funny. Statue enters the battlefield, return a non-land permanent you control to its owner hand. Notably, it does not say another. Right, right. right. It's yeah. also four mana. Four colorless. Or sorry, four colorless. generic, generic mana. Yeah, generic, and that's why yes. it's important. Yeah, so there are, like, like a Mana War is a creature that would seem like it does the same thing as this, right? Right. But it doesn't because it, Animar can't reduce the colored cost of a card, yeah. so yeah. Mana War would eventually get to the point where I don't have enough blue. And it's a non-land permanent. Mana War's yeah. creatures, right? Because Ancestral yeah. Statue plays and then targets itself to bounce itself, and it's free to to cast once you have four counters on Animar, that means as soon as you play it with three counters on Animar or more, you can make Animar as big as you feel like. Yeah, just bounce yeah. back to your hand, recast, recast. Not to mention if you have a card drawing card yep. like soul the harvest if out. you have perforos in play you don't Perforous. even have to go through the rigmarole of swinging with animar nope. yeah yep. again zandakar resurgence soul the harvest primordial sage means you're going to be able to go find perforos or creator of behemoth or some other game-winning card yeah because you're going to draw your entire deck yep. um yeah those cards are are kind of insane should we talk about yeah i mean look we we took these cards out of the deck because it's not hard to assemble. In fact, it's almost too easy to assemble. And Game Nights is all about the interaction and finding the fun parts of the game. And this, while it is a very cool interaction, I when I was looking through the deck, I was like, I don't want the, the game to end this way if it does end this I, way. Yeah. It would not be satisfying to me personally as a player. I don't think it would be as satisfying for the people watching because it doesn't give anyone a chance to be like, let me interact with that ability. It's like, okay, maybe you can stifle Perforos once, but it's just going to keep going over and over and over. You know, like, so... It doesn't give you that same, I think, it's a kind of a feel bad, honestly, anytime someone does an infinite like this, to me personally. Yeah, I mean, I've like I said, I've lost to this deck on turn five or something. I'm fine with that. I think for the viewing experience, though, it's not good. And yeah. so in, in general, and mostly for our guests, we don't worry about it too much. But for right. Jimmy and I, we kind of put our own sort of slight rules on ourselves. And I know... It's ridiculous, but I know some people think like we stage the games or something, which 100% we do not do because we're not smart enough to do that. It, it would be so hard to do it. I don't want to put the time into doing that either. Yeah. Good Lord. Also, I'm going to fly Kenji Egashir and Gabby Sparts out, and I'm going to tell them, like, hey, by the way, you have to lose or you have yeah, to. Yeah, this is how know, the game's going to go blah, blah, blah. every turn. Yeah. You, by the way, 300,000 people are going to see this, but you don't get a fair chance. <laughs> They're never, they won't even come out. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Uh. That's a little side side tangent, but it also just like imagine you're in a game, right, you're right. watching the game, and and everybody's doing cool stuff, and this person's getting knocked down to twenty seven, and then somebody's down to thirteen, and then blah blah blah, and then boom, ancestral statue with Perforos out. Okay, I win. It's I'm fine with games ending that way. I'm just not as fine. I would like the percentage chance of that happening on camera to be lower, and that's why we decided to sort of take mm -hmm. that kind of interaction out of most decks. Yeah, and that actually did happen with Murderous Red Cap and Kessler yeah. mm, back right, in the day. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it was a fun moment, but it wasn't, you know, I, I just think it definitely leads to a better viewing experience. And uh, I don't care if I underpower the deck a little bit, if it means more people get to enjoy watching something that we make more. Honestly, well, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, like, I've already underpowered the deck by reducing the amount of tutors that are in yeah. it. And I only do that because, you know, I don't want it to get to the point where, you know, t turn five or six, I'm just consistently tutoring out for a combo condition and winning right then and there. Like, that's just not fun for me to play the deck anymore. I want the morphs to come out. I want to 
turn the Morse face up. I want to get that chance. So all my quote unquote tutors are basically just card draw as much card draw as possible to get through the deck to find find my yeah you're not cards. like survival of the fittest no or yeah. um you know birthing potting yeah that fauna shaman and just going yeah. in the same card every time and exactly. again i want to stress like that's totally fine yeah i know some people do like doing that and i'm totally fine with it and i like games where i've got a i'm under the threat they're going to try and combo out i don't mind that at all um but on camera i think is a totally different thing yeah yeah but it would be great sometimes because man oh it, it, it may be like a 15 minute game and then like you know that'd be like that's like giving me two weeks of vacation. <laughs> Here's a 15-minute game. We actually made the episode longer yeah, than it needed to be. It's, <laughs> by the way, the last episode, four-hour game cut down into an hour. So yeah. that's see, a, see, your viewers would be like, wait, you just gave me a 10-minute commercial of a game. Oh, my gosh. Why? Give me a full hour. I want to see this. Yeah, I want to right. watch everything. I love all the comments of people who are like, well, you guys did a really good job because this game had a lot of swings and blah, blah, blah. And then in the next breath, they're like, but you stage it. It's like... Some games are going to be a little bit more exciting than others because we don't stage it. Yeah, that's that's the that's. I mean, honestly, it's kind of insane if you think about it. What production outside of like reality TV, but even then, reality oh, TV yeah. is almost all stage. Goes in and be like, is like, all right, well, we kind of know what's gonna happen, hopefully, and but we don't really. So, uh, oh, and by the way, if everyone doesn't play correctly, it's not going to happen the way that it should either. So, good luck, um, and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> okay, bye. It's like, whoa, we're taking huge risks every time we just sit down to play because you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, fortunately, I think we've been uh, on the good side of fortune for the most part, and we've had some really cool games. Am uh, I allowed, I, wait, am I allowed to talk about, like, secret games? Secret games? Because remember, there are some games you've filmed. Oh, yeah, that didn't make, the, we just didn't have time to cut Yeah, yeah go yeah. for it. Okay, because I know there was that one game, like, very early on game nights where... Craig was playing well, Atraxa. Super, yeah, Super Friends. Super Friends Atraxa. Yep. It just went out to this ridiculous fast start. I still feel bad about this because Craig's never <sighs> won on the show, yeah. but he actually did he win did. a game that we shot, game. but the problem was the first game took so long to edit that we just couldn't put the second game in. Oh, that was just a, a ridiculous game because he just brought out Soren, I think, so fast. It was a, one of those rare games where a person gets out to an early lead and the rest of the table still can't. Still can't. Even teaming up can't get them under Full control. Full on team just, up, yeah. yeah. But we've never seen that. We never know. Someday. <laughs> it could be the, the lost vault, you know. The, we got a lot in the vault at the moment. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can have our own from the vaults. From the vaults oh. game nights edition. Wizards. Okay, just kidding. Um, <laughs> to the listeners, what do you guys think of the Animorph deck? Are there any specific morphs that we've missed? Again, the deck list will be in the show notes, so you get to check out Vinny's version of the deck. And what do you think your favorite version of Animar is in general? Okay, I'm going to say it right now. This is my favorite version of Animar. This is my favorite version of Animar, too. I, I've, I have a broken version, and it's just not fun to play against people because it's everyone knows you're the target. You don't have any real defensive options outside of just hope they don't board wipe. It, it's not as fun. Yeah, and at some point, I would like to rotate out some morphs just because to... there's so many more morphs in the yeah. history of Magic because like, yeah. I know there's a exchange control of creatures morph yeah. that mm-hmm. I would want to use. Um, there's a force spike morph that i could bring in every now and then and it just what about woolly locks oh. woolly locks <laughs> come on don't leave out woolly locks green, green. <laughs> limited all-star here comes the six seven womp womp oh boy um it's, it's an elephant i love this deck i've never played it i've only ever played against it but it's it's just a really cool deck and it does all the things i like in magic which is give you the flexibility to respond to things yeah. like when i'm playing against this deck it always feels like you whether you have a response or not, you have a possibility of responding. And there's yeah. many, many decks that you don't say that for where you're like, well, I know that person can't do anything and this person can't do anything. But this deck, you're always like, I don't know what they could do. They could definitely, you know, stop whatever I'm about to try. Yep, so when, totally. yeah, so it's very hard to play against. I love it. All right. Once again, this show, this episode brought to you by Verve. It's a brand new service. Go to vrv.co slash commands and we're giving away a Aftermath playmat, a few to some lucky people. If you sign up, send us a screenshot of your sign up. You can do it over email, you can do it over Twitter, whatever you want. You have one week to do it. And something tells me, by the way, that not many people are gonna do this. And that means your chances of winning are extraordinarily high. So it prove is hard me wrong. to get somebody to go somewhere and sign up. Again, it's free to sign up. It's a free, free trial. trial. Yeah. It's a 30 day free trial. So there's no cost to you. Um, yeah. And again, if you do sign up, Aftermath Playmat, we don't have a lot left. So try yeah. and win them now. Yep. Exactly. I'm really curious to see if like people like, because you know your audition videos were so over the top. Yeah, I would love to see an like over, over the, the top, top sign screenshot. Up. Yeah, I would love to see that. 
in <laughs> full cosplay. Oh my wow. gosh. She like filmed a wow. video of them like as Jace like doing it and they're like they're not even touching the keyboard but it's still signing up for them. They're like Ugh. if you send a pic no, no, how many people will do it if I say that? I don't know. It won't increase the your chances of winning. That but. Sends, no, screw it. The first person oh. that sends a screenshot of themselves in full cosplay with the thirty day yeah. trial sign up using our oh. VRV.co slash command zone, you automatically get an aftermath play. All right, I'm down. First with person that. on Twitter. I'll follow you too. Yeah. It's gonna be Jimmy. It's gonna his, be me. His, uh, yeah, I got my Jace costume still. Is, no dinosaur. What are oh, you my dinosaur. About? That's right. That's <laughs> the right. onesie. Yeah, you can do any cosplay, I guess. It, but it's it gotta be full cosplay. Full cosplay, full. though. Don't yeah. just put on like a mask. You gotta be like yeah. wearing the cosplay. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. it. You, yeah, yeah. Guaranteed aftermath play mat if you're the first one. All right. Uh, tweet <laughs> at Josh Lee Kwai to do that. Um, yeah. Ultra Pro, another sponsor of the show. They just have the relic tokens come out again. They have awesome play mats. Uh, we have had these in front. Usually we switch up the play mats a lot, but these are so beautiful that we've kept them in front for quite a while. They are the new lands by John Avon in Unstable. So make sure you buy some Ultra Pro product the next time you're at the store. That's going to help support the show. These are these are sweet. Yeah. I wish we got you know more of them. Me too. And of course, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. So if you guys want to buy singles, any of the cards we talked about today, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. All right. Let's move on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I got Josh addicted to this game. You did. Have you played this? No, I keep watching a lot of Twitch streamers play it, though. It is. It's a really good game. I believe you like card games? You should play it. Yeah, if you like dungeon crawlers, Mm -hmm. if you like card games. Deck builders. And yeah, Yeah. deck builders has kind of got a drafting aspect. I know. I'm totally... If Game Nights doesn't come out next month, because <laughs> I'm busy. You know okay. um, it's called Slay the Spire. Jimmy, you got me into it, so I'll let you talk about it, sure. but it is fun. So Slay the Spire is, as Josh said, it's a combination of a deck builder as well as a dungeon crawler. You play one of two classes currently, the Ironclad or the Silent. The Ironclad is your warrior type. The Silent is your assassin type. You start with a deck of, I think, 10 cards. There are like five block cards, or no, four block cards, four attack cards, and then a couple of extra like weaken, exhaust, whatever. And you're basically, every single time you start the game, you start at stage one, and there's multiple paths to take all the way to an end boss at the end of each level. And there's three total stages, and your entire goal is to make it from stage one to stage 50 and beat the end boss. However, along the way, every single time you beat an enemy in a room, you have a chance to get a new card for your deck. And there are multiple archetypes for each of the classes. You can choose to go a more attack build, a more block build, build a build that's all about weakening your opponents. And the cool thing is every time you fight an enemy, they always say what they're going to do above their little head, their little uh, animation head. So they're like intent. Intent, yeah. This enemy's going to attack. This enemy's going to debuff you. This enemy's going to put up shields. This enemy's going to run away. So basically, you always know what's going to come. So you're able to plan your hand out. And there's lots of cards that literally are draw cards, discard. It's very similar to Magic Mechanics. I yeah. actually uh, tweeted the the dev team, and they said they're fans of Game Nights. So they're, I think they're all Magic players as well. But very fun, very interactive. No game is ever the same. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Well, it, it has the aspect that Hearthstone Arena has. Yeah. Um, or had. I think they, they've been updating it lately. But where, like, so when you beat a level, there's different stages that are working towards the boss, right? So you beat a stage, and then you're going to get to pick a new card. There's three random cards you get to pick between, and you only get to pick one. So you pick that one, and then you're sort of building your deck as you go, right? You beat mm-hmm. the next level, and you're like, well, I have these cards now because I just picked this new one, and I'm going to try and do this. And then as you go, you're sort of drafting almost yeah. as you build it. And But as you go, you have to use the deck you've got against the next monster, yep. and you're like, ah, I wish I would have picked a block card because blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you learn every time you play based on the monsters because they don't change as much. Yeah. Um, but also, really importantly, you can also just not take a card. Which is very important. Again, ah. sometimes mm-hmm. there's not a good card for your deck, and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to lessen the chance of getting yeah. one of the cards that's already in my deck. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the keys of deck building games is actually having a very small deck in general because you want to be able to consistently do the thing that you're trying to plan to do. So, really fun game you can get on Steam, Mac, uh, and I think they're working eventually. It's in beta right now. Mm-hmm. There's three total classes eventually, but it's a great game to just start playing. Um, it's awesome because you can also just play, you can stop halfway through a battle and just go eat lunch come back and see it's the exact same spot there's no timer there's no rush it's great yeah i think it's like 15 bucks yeah it's pretty cheap and in each playthrough is like 30 to 40 minutes yeah about yeah and there's like daily quests or whatever that's cool they said a daily thing like okay you have to play as this class every room is a question mark room so you don't know what you're getting into each monster is going to do this now instead of that so there's lots of cool stuff like that it just looks great like it actually really looks great as a you know board game it just kind of looks like a board game yeah it plays really fast yeah Uh, it's clean if you like Hearthstone, if you like card games at all, check it out. Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. You know who so else is slaying the game? So much lost 
work time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Sorry. I screwed up here. Yeah, so much less work time as well. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, repeating. You know who else loses a lot of work time? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't perfect. know. That didn't work. Our the sister segues. podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. Lots to talk about these days with uh, Jace and Blood and Braid and all the shakeups there. Follow them on Twitter at the MMCast or check them out right next to us at Collected.Company. Our editor for this show is Craig Blanchett, Captain King of Infect, the one and only Mr. Phyrexia himself. Uh, Is he going to be mad we didn't talk about Triumph for the Hordes? He better not be. We just did, though. No, we talked about Crater Hope, but not Triumph. No, what? Well, but we oh, just, just now. Yeah, no, yeah. when? When did we talk about it? We didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we never talked about that card. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer as well for doing the living card animations that start and end the show. You can find Jeffrey online at Living Cards MTG. You can find Craig at Craig Blanchett um, and of Terry Robertson. Of course, is still an editor for us, but he's working on Game Nights now full time. Uh, so thanks to everyone that's working behind the scenes hard and doing their thing. Uh, and while I go back to my Netflix mansions and hang out. And, and thanks to Vinny for being on the show. Yeah, thank, thank you. Vinny. Thank you for Vinny, having where, me. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me right now at Twitter at MTG Vincent. MTG Vincent. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Oh, and I didn't get a chance to be on episode 200. I was a little busy. Um, but I just wanted to talk about a story. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about my favorite moment in Commander. It was actually kind of our first commander game i think really at our lg at the you know the old lgs mm-hmm, we used mm-hmm. to go to um i think josh you were playing this old marchesa deck oh yeah with the like five a, color yeah, yeah. yeah oh, i the, played that in your first game of commander? yeah <laughs> sorry it's okay it's okay Brutal. it's fine it's did fine. i get the lockout no 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 okay, here's why here's why yeah, here's why so you had a graft creature out. you had a graft creature out ready to go to put the graft um counter on it and you were to move it around yeah i had pestilence demon and in response, I read the card, oh, Graft is a trigger. So in response to the Graft trigger, I'm going to activate Pestilence Demon enough times to kill off the Graft creature so you can't get those counters being moved around for Marchesa. Um, and what I remember is that Jimmy afterwards, Jimmy, you just told me, wow, that was a really good play. I don't think many of us would have caught that. And I thought to myself, wow, they are so nice. I should play with them <laughs> all the time from now on. Uh, we were just trying to hook you into the format. Yeah, we got yeah, you, though. we got you. Yeah, secretly. Demon, nice. <laughs> secretly. A lot of, lot of... I do remember that, actually. A lot of commanders Because I was going to win if he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I was going to get the Chalalara locked. I think you That's were. That's how you beat Josh, by the way, is you nope. wait for the turn that you know he's going to try and do yeah. the thing and yeah. you do your best That's to stop him. That's how you beat Jimmy, too. That's how yeah. you beat good <laughs> commander players. Yeah. Because they're always just like, ready? 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 Okay, I'm going to go for it. Or if you're really smart, you watch and watch and try and get it so that Josh and I are both trying to do oh, that yeah. to each other and then capitalize <laughs> when one of us fails or does do it correctly. Or stops the other one. Yeah. yeah. And then be like, great, now go after the person that stopped them. <laughs> um, that about wraps it up. Yeah. yeah. What, how do we end now? See you guys next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.